Hi there, and welcome back to Romanticy, a podcast created by Dipsy. I'm your host, Faye Keegan. This week, we're releasing episode eight of Wings of Winter. I've said this before, but creating these audio stories is really both an art and a science. And Dipsy isn't just a creative storytelling studio, it's also a business. So as a business, when we're taking risks, we also try to mitigate that risk. And this whole series was a huge risk for us. It was such a big risk, this series, because it was new on so many dimensions. It was not only our first, like, fantasy universe built from scratch. It also was our first time making these, like, 20-minute-plus long episodes in this kind of style. The average Gypsy story on our app is, like, 9 minutes long. The longest, maybe 13, 14, prior to these this uh, series being made. So these super long-format episodes are also really new and a huge risk for us. So to offset some of those big risks we were taking creatively, we only made five episodes at first. So we actually launched the first five episodes of Wings of Winter without the second five made and waited to see the response. And really, like, the rest is history. People loved them. And that is just the best feeling as a creator because we loved it. We were so excited that the subscribers, the listeners loved it. And it meant we got to make five more and sort of let these storylines flow um, and bring Rowan and the human into even more adventure together. So please enjoy this episode of Wings of Winter, episode eight. Uh, And as a reminder, you can get the rest of the series and much more content like it right now on the Dipsy app. Um, You can get 30 days free to explore that. So go to dipsystories.com slash romanticy for 30 days free. And you can listen to the rest of the series right now. So here it is. Wings of Winter, episode eight, the night before. For most of my immortal life, I wished I could speed time up. When you watch enough empires rise and fall, your own existence begins to feel as if it's stretching endlessly on. But everything changed when I met you. For the very first time in my hundreds of years of living, I felt myself electrified with possibility and wanting to slow time so that I could revel in every moment. The week we spent in the mountains before the third challenge, I found myself wishing over and over again that we could stay for longer. As the days there dwindled, the specter of the next challenge overshadowed the joy I got from spending so much time with you. And it was clear I wasn't the only one who was preoccupied. What's bothering you, I asked you one day while training in the forest. It's nothing, you replied, barely sidestepping the thrust of my dagger. I maneuvered deftly behind you then, drawing you into a bind and pressing my dagger against your neck. You're distracted, I murmured, the cold metal still pressed to your skin. You sighed then. I released you. I'm worried, you said. About the next challenge, I asked, and you nodded solemnly. What if your father finds a way to hurt me, or worse, to turn you against me? A solemn magic swirled in my bones like a cruel wind rustling fallen leaves, and I felt myself filled with a sadness deeper than I'd felt in many, many moons. Centuries of moons, I drew you into my arms, crushing you to my chest and kissing the top of your head, 
You looked up at me through the hood of your furs, and I held your face in my hands. I won't ever let anyone hurt you. I swear my immortal life upon it. I growled. I too am sad to leave here, but we must remember we have many advantages now. My father doesn't yet know you are a halfling and knows nothing of your powers. And our alliance with Hawthorne positions us well within the competition. You don't think he's got something terrible planned for the next challenge, though? Oh, I'm sure he does. The man is a power-hungry, callous, evil bastard. You laughed darkly at that and then mumbled. I guess there's only one way to find out. We returned to the castle the night before the third challenge. Each competitor received a message from the game maker. Come morning, we would be brought to a valley beyond the castle walls where a labyrinth had been constructed, and we were to navigate our way through it by nightfall. Of course, the game makers made no mention of what we might find within the stone maze. I was sure, however, that it would be rife with beasts, creatures, and obstacles designed to turn the bravest warrior into the most timid of deer mice. This time there was no note from my father nor a summons to his quarters. And yet, his silence rang louder than any direct message of disapproval ever could. In the quiet of my bedchambers, I made a solemn vow. I would make it through the gleaning, and when I did, I would destroy the very male who had raised me. And of course, I'd keep you alive. The game maker's eagle circled ominously above the stone labyrinth. We stood before the stone behemoth, hand in hand, and the crowd roaring behind us, and the dark promise I had made the night before, deep in my heart. My magic roiled in my bones, and I could feel that yours was stirring too. Gone was the fear I had felt in the mountains. With you standing on my right and Hawthorne on my left, I felt strong, emboldened. And when the eagles cried, we rushed the entrance of the labyrinth with fiery conviction. Before we even reached the door, an elf cocked his bow and aimed for your back. I'm not sure if it was instinct or magic, but you sensed the danger and spun before he could strike. And when he sent the arrow sailing towards you, you summoned wind magic to spin it back in his direction. A quick and deadly strike. Even I, who had been training with you for weeks, was surprised and impressed by the deft expertise. It struck his chest and he crumpled to the ground. The crowd was quiet for a moment and then exploded once again into thunderous applause. Everyone was standing but my father. Elves, witches, and the fae of the royal court, raucously cheering for the frail human huntress. The king sat coolly in his gilded throne as the crowd cheered around him. I knew he must be simmering with anger, brimming with dark and twisted magic. Unafraid, you locked eyes with him, grinned, winked, and then sprinted back towards me. How's that for an entrance? You smiled giddily at me. In spite of myself and the danger, I laughed. Rare for a fay, rarer for me. But how could I resist your arrogant human charm and your flair for danger? The sparkling ephemeral joy of you so different than the cold calculation of immortals. The moment was quick, but precious. Like your human life. We had to turn our attention to the challenge at hand. 
The labyrinth, as it turned out, was no match for the magic of you, me, and Hawthorne. We navigated the dark passageways with our combined intuition and power. When we encountered the first beast, we grew confident, quickly freezing the monstrous spider into submission. And after that, any remaining obstacles were quickly neutralized by our triad. We emerged from the darkness of the labyrinth into the bright light of day. We had completed the task long before the sun was to set and hours before any of the other competitors would emerge. My father had no choice but to stand with the crowd. I hugged Hawthorne heartily, then pulled you into my arms, kissing you hard for the entire kingdom to see. Let my father try to stop us. The next few challenges were accomplished in a similarly victorious manner. Riddles were answered. Races were won. Beasts were slain. The moon rose and set and the stars swirled overhead. Time had never moved so quickly for me before. It slipped through my fingers like water and I grasped at it, desperately attempting to capture more time with you. And all the while, my feelings for you grew stronger. I needed you to know of my feelings for you, of my plan. I wanted to tell you the true nature of my heart before entering the ring for the final time. But first, we had to attend the royal dinner thrown for the remaining competitors. It had been a long time since the first feast, and in the weeks since that first night, I only ever seen you in dirty battle leathers. It was not unusual to find a twig in your hair or a scratch upon your face or stripped bare before me, under me, above me. But when I came upon you in the royal hall, you were wearing a dress made of the finest silk. The fabric tumbled over your every curve like a stream down a mountainside, and the way you were spilling out of the corseted top made my magic stir. My eyes glazed over your body, drinking you in. I laughed when I noticed the outline of the dagger strapped to your thigh, never unarmed. I slid my hand around your back and squeezed your hip. Thank you, you said. The dress, it's beautiful. It wasn't me. Perhaps Hawthorne, I mused, and you shook your head. If it wasn't her, then who? You trailed off and your eyes met mine. In the silence between us, it became clear exactly who had left you the dress. I hoped it was not true that it had not been my father, but it seemed like exactly the kind of ominous gesture he would make. I buried my head into your neck and breathed in your delicious scent. I'd come to expect the familiar, leather, a touch of dirt and roses. But now, my heightened senses smelled something else too. Was it silver? Ah, uh, yes, the smell of adrenaline. How unfamiliar was it for you to be scared? I instinctively pulled you closer and you looked up at me. Perhaps you can do the honors of taking it off me later, you suggested wickedly. I do look a bit like an elf cake in this. I chuckled darkly then growled. Perhaps you are right because I would very much like to devour you whole. You were about to say something when the music began. The strings were beautiful and delicate and yet they filled me with dread. Again and again, I'd found that these types of festivities started fun, but quickly devolved into dangerous debauchery. 
All the immortals were likely to be drinking, and as such, I felt the need to be on high alert. We took our seats at the long banquet table. My father sat at the end. Until then, I had carefully avoided him. But now, his silver eyes bore into me, his glare as sharp as an ancient blade. My magic burned, and I hoped he could feel fiery hatred in my return stare. You reached under the table and placed your hand on my thigh, and I knew what you meant to convey with your touch. We would have our chance to seek revenge on my father, for now we must play nice. The meal was lavish, of course. Hundred-year mead, roasted winter duck, breads and herb butters. Dishes that had been barely touched by the assemblage of competitors and courtesans would be taken away and replaced quickly with more extravagant delicacies. Midway through the third course, you turned to me and whispered, The humans in the southern realm starve as they bow to a court of gluttons. I placed my fork back down near my plate. What little appetite I had, already gone. When dessert was served, I was grateful. Soon I would get to return to my bedchambers, where you would join me. Together we'd sleep. And before that, we'd night tangle together. I could already feel the warmth of your lips on my neck. The softness of thighs. Feel the flutter of your pulse under my fingertips. Then there was another clinking of glass. There was to be a toast. My father stood to make his announcement and my stomach turned. He was not a celebratory man. Whatever announcement he was going to make was surely strategic. Quiet, quiet, he urged. I have great news to share with you all. As you know, my son Rowan has been competing in the gleaning this year. He glanced at me and the entire table turned in my direction. Trying to put a smile on my face felt like prying open a hunting trap. He'd never toasted me, had barely claimed me in our centuries together. I waited for the blade to drop. He's done the fay of this court proud. He's proven himself a great warrior. He's also caught the attention of our neighbors and allies, the Western Elves. The ruler here with us tonight has made a great offer, his daughter Zalrina's hand. Rowan has accepted the offer gladly and looks forward to many more centuries at Zalrina's side. Barring his death in the final challenge of the gleaning, and he laughed heartily at his own dark joke. They will wed, uniting our powers and further strengthening the allyship between our lands. The royal hall erupted in applause. Goblets chimed together. Fairy meads sloshed on the table. Whoops of joy filled the hall from fay and elves alike. Had they forgotten that just moments ago they had seen me kiss you? That they had rooted for you and I in the past six challenges? My mind reeled, and I quickly tried to come up with a way to deny what my father had said. I needed to assure you of my loyalty, but it seemed unwise to object in a room full of elves. I would need to play along with his plan for now, or I risked causing a brawl at the table, or perhaps even a war between the realms. Elves did not take well to being slighted. I'd have to find a way to rebel re-strategize or renegotiate after dinner. My father looked down the table at me. He still stood, his glass raised. 
a clear signal for me to stand and share some words of my own. Your hand slipped from mine as I stood, but I had no choice. To our glorious union, I said flatly, and the room once again exploded into drunken noise and congratulations. The elven king made his way towards me. He extended his hand and I shook it, and then he drew me into an embrace, clapping my back with his large palm. Over his shoulder I saw you, ducking quickly out the door, slipping away into the dark of the castle hallways. My heart sank, like heavy stone in still waters. If you'll excuse me, Majesty, I said, brushing past him and making my way to the door. But I was stopped by his son, then another elf, then another. My forced smile made my cheeks hurt, and I worked my way slowly through the crowd. I raced towards your quarters, and when I opened the heavy wooden door, I found you standing by the door, about to leave yourself. A pack slung across your back. Where are you going? I asked. I'm leaving, you said bluntly. Don't, I commanded. I was in shock. I was desperate. I reached out and grabbed your shoulders, blocking your escape through the doorway. I hope you know I have no intention of marrying her. Do I know that you asked angrily? You pushed me then, trying futilely to shove me out of the way. You had your fun. I was a fling, a teenage rebellion against your father, a chance for you to play savior to a weakling. But like all Fae, you have a loyalty to only one person, yourself. Stop, I... Don't tell me what to do, Rowan. What about the final challenge? I managed to get out. Without you, I have no way of winning, and I'll likely lose my life. I'm leaving. The guards, I said. They'll come after you. You can't forfeit. They'll kill you. I'd rather take my chances out there than in the ring. Besides, if I'm going to be executed, I'd prefer to do it without an audience. You're going to turn your back on our chance of winning without even hearing my side of the story. I nearly shouted with exasperation. I'm trying to tell you that I had no idea of this. My father announced the plan without my knowledge. Perhaps it is true, you acknowledge. But now that you do, how could you not accept? Your father offers you a kingdom, an elven army, a beautiful bride. You are no longer the slighted son. Positionless, landless, alone. How can I trust you now? You know how long and hard the road ahead of us as rebels will be. Who would not accept the comforts and safety of the royal court instead of the cold danger of the world beyond its walls? Farewell, Rowan, you said, turning towards the door. But before you could slip out of my grasp forever, I grabbed your arm. You turned to face me. Pain, fury, and desolation clear on your face. I could hear your heart pounding powerfully in your chest. It was now or never. I took a deep breath in an attempt to steady my nerves. I fought countless battles, faced dark magic and terrible beasts. I've stood in the face of evil and not looked away, I said. I was forced to control my fear. And so I did. But now, you, for the very first time in my life, I feel scared. I have something to lose. Before I met you, I didn't care what happened to me whether I came out of each battle dead or alive. But now, 
I have something to live for. I can't lose you, human, because I love you. I have never loved anything as I love you. You are infuriating and obstinate and frustrating. But you are the most brilliant, strongest, bravest being I've ever met, and I love you. I love you too, you said softly. I thought you might smile, but then your face fell into despair again. But you accepted. You accepted the marriage you said. Only so as to not cause a war in my father's dining hall. I will find a way out of it, I promised. Are you sure? You said. I've never been more sure of anything in my life. A tear rolled down your cheek and I brushed my thumb against your cheek to wipe it away. I had never seen you cry. You pushed against my chest. I fucking hate you, Rowan. And I really fucking love you. I laughed and took your face into my hands and kissed you with the force of all my magic. When we finally broke apart from the kiss, we were panting. I'm so sorry, I said. I'm so sorry you thought that I... And before I could complete the thought, you were kissing me again. Your warm mouth on mine. Erasing whatever thought it was I was having. There was still the faintest taste of berries from the desert on your lips, and I sucked on you with a real hunger. I want you, I said. Then take me, you crooned back. I threaded my fingers through the velvet ties of your corset, pulling at them until they were loose. Meanwhile, you were touching me through my leathers, which was about to become a problem. I felt myself stiffening, growing hard for you, and I growled. We don't have time for this, you laughed. I need you now, you said. I laughed too, throwing you back onto the soft bed. We wrestled, pulling off one another's clothes, kissing and scratching at one another. You bested me and I was glad you did. You lifted the skirts of your dress and sank down on me, teasing the tip of my cock with the sweet wetness of you. I groaned as I slipped fully inside you. For a moment, you paused with your hands on my chest. I could tell you were still getting used to the size of me. Then you took a contented breath and began working yourself on me, grinding and bouncing. Slow at first, but then faster. I grabbed at the linens. My magic was boiling, completely ready to overflow, but I wanted this to last. Your cheeks flushed with color and you threw your head back, watching pleasure come over you wave after wave. And in that moment, I knew you were more beautiful than any mountain falls, sunset, or first snow. You were the most magnificent creature I'd ever seen. I grabbed your hip so I could reposition you. Then I flipped you onto your back and bent your legs up by your hips. I brushed the tip of my cock against your slickness and locked eyes with you. Go slow, you said. And I nodded. I teased you, rubbing your swollen clit with my cock until I felt like I might burst and I could tell you were on the verge of begging for me. Finally, I pushed inside you. You wrapped your legs around me, drawing me in deeper, and we rocked together setting a deliciously slow rhythm. 
I groaned with each deep stroke. I love you, I said again. Then I thrust it harder, pushing deeper and deeper inside you. I felt your body tightening, so I slid my fingers between our bodies so you could grind your clit against my hand. I buried my head in your neck, breathing in your smell. I sucked on your ear and you bucked your hips up, meeting each stroke of mine. Fuck, I growled, and I knew I would not be able to hold on much longer. Rowan, you moaned, and the sound of my name on your lips sent me over the edge. You held on to me as I emptied inside you, and your body shook with pleasure, too. It was a long, long time until either of us spoke again. Ahead of us was another deadly challenge, and there were other dangers that we did not know yet and of which we could not speak. And yet, between us, peace. I did not yet wish to leave the private realm that existed only for us. You softly stroked my wings, sending shiver after shiver down my spine, and I kissed you all over. Tomorrow we could assess the future. For now, all that existed was the feeling of you in my arms and the love I had for you beating deep within my heart.